Hey, good evening, Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope, as well as uh, everyone else on our streaming channels. And uh, as usual, on the first and third Wednesday of the month, we have an opportunity to present our show in the trenches with early educators with co-host Sharon. And tonight we have a special guest. And uh, glad, hopefully, everybody could join us and uh, you know, sending good vibrations for the new year and uh, new opportunities that are on the horizon. Uh, what's up, Sharon? Well, hey, Quentin. Happy New Year to everybody out there listening and watching that I have not had an opportunity to wish a Happy New Year to yet. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, before I introduce our guests, just a little bit of housekeeping. All right, we all, those of you who are listeners already know that intro music, my second son, Mark, the producer, Marcus Allen, Mark Allen, I apologize, it's his other name. You can find him on Instagram at Mark, M-A-R-C underscore the, D-A producer. If you have any needs for music beats or if you want to get any studio time. And our sponsor for tonight's show is <laughs> me, Destiny Educational Consulting. We are sponsoring our first event of the year of 2021. We are doing Vision 2021, which is an event that talks about um, how to do vision boards uh, for your business or your career. And you can purchase tickets by going to destinyedevents21.eventbrot.com. And remember, there are a few sponsorships left. Again, if you use the coupon code Let's Talk, all caps, no apostrophe, Let's Talk as the coupon code, you can get your ticket um, at, a, it's either at a discount or might be free. I'm not sure. I have to go in there and check. But go check us out. All right, Quint. Our guest ah, is none other than my brother from another mother. Mr. Kevin Shane, who is the founder and CEO of FATE, which is a nonprofit organization, and FATE stands for Fighting Adversity Through Education. And so I invited Kev on the show this evening because the topic that we have, I think that um, he can provide uh, some good insight as my children are grown now, so I have to talk about education from the past. But Kevin actually has um, his own children who are still uh, in school. So what's going on, Kev? Good evening. Good evening. Good to be here. I want to thank both of y'all for inviting me, having me on. I appreciate it. Um, nothing really uh, spectacular. We're starting the new year off, and, and hopefully, you know, we can do some things and it'll be better than last year. Uh, but um, I was going to give a little, I guess, inside background about my organization. Unfortunately, it's kind of on the back burner right now, but uh, it's a vision that I carry around for more than, man, I carried it for 10 years before I even put it in motion. Uh, so now that it is in motion, I, I refuse to let it go. So um, it, it's just kind of on the back burner for right now until you know I get some things shifted around and moved around but uh again the organization is called fighting adversity through education uh the primary goal uh for that organization is to help young men help young black men uh become better men so basically i i try to extend it to more than just uh an educational piece but uh teaching men young men how to become men uh I run across young kids all the time and I'm constantly attempting to introduce them and give them some of the knowledge that we wish that we had had when we were younger. You know, things about credit reports, things about rental properties, things about how to handle your business, how to, you know, take care of your bills and, and things of that nature. But in the school, you know, we've also gone into school. We've had some uh, career days where we sat down with other gentlemen. I brought some of my volunteers in and we sat down with young men and, and tried to uh, give them some guidance to think about career opportunities. Uh, some want to write books, some it's, it's very dynamic, but it's, it's a very uh, good thing to watch 
uh, how they work and how they maneuver and, and work around each other. So, let me ask you one one of the um, things when you when you first started uh, working with these young men, <laughs> what what was some of the uh, the areas that you thought that you may you may needed to to address first, and what were some of the areas that you may have had to pay more attention to? Um. Well, the first thing was definitely the, the school stuff. Uh, I you wanted to uh, put together something that would allow them to get basically the tutoring that they needed because you know it just doesn't happen often in our communities. And and to convince a young kid that this is what they need is sometimes kind of difficult. So it's it's really kind of a it's a difficult balancing act. Because when I first started the organization, some people wanted to steer me toward those kids that deal with uh, different behavioral issues. And to me, that's a completely different challenge, but definitely one that needs to be addressed. Uh, but I find that, you know, I've had a few volunteers that are counselors and so forth. So they were able to kind of guide me in a direction. But, you know, I find that being someone certified is definitely needed to deal with that that direct issue but i think a lot of it now is just trying to get the kids to engage because young black men they get distracted they get distracted around each other especially you know in our communities because it's it's even in the schools when we go in there and talk to them there's some that are very well mannered and willing to listen and willing to try to follow what you're trying to tell them. And then you got some that are just not interested, not interested. <laughs> and those are the ones that are really difficult to get their attention. <laughs> those are the ones that is really difficult to get their attention and, and get them to kind of follow what it is you're trying to introduce them to. Let me ask you when when um when you provided when you when you provided the service, was it any one of the young gentlemen that like really clung to it to what you were trying to teach and like you really saw the improvement not only in their behavior but like they really got attached to the tutor and they took advantage of the opportunity there's been yeah actually there's, there's quite a few that actually it's it's once you plant the seed they tend to to gravitate toward it so for instance i had some young men in here doing some work on my plumbing in my house young brothers and just like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm watching them and I'm listening to them go back and forth and they're doing their thing. And when I posed the question, I said, hey, man, what's your credit? Like, first of all, like, how old are you? You know, I think one was 25 and one was like 23. Like, what's your credit score? They looked at me like, like, why is this guy asking me my credit score? <laughs> but I immediately began to explain to them how important it was. Now, some people see it a little different. Some people think that a credit score is really just a measurement of debt. But I think that if you have a good credit score, you can pretty much get what you need financially. You know what I mean? It'll guide you in those places. You can get those loans and you can get the stuff that you need at a much lower interest rate. You know, just like when you pull into a car dealership and you get that 0% financing. You know what I'm saying? That's because you got an 800 plus score. Mm -hmm. And and unfortunately, there's a misconception. People think credit is difficult. They think they got to pay somebody to uh, help them with their credit. And they really don't. You can do it yourself. So, you know, I, I take pride in talking to them. You know, I told them about a rental property that I have, you know, and they were interested. And then when we started really talking about it, you know, hey, is it OK if we get your phone number? Is it OK if we reach back out to you? Absolutely. Please do. As a matter of fact, give me your number. So if you don't call me, I can call you. And and so, yeah, they they usually gravitate to it when you put on the table the advantages that it has. Yeah. So you so you so you met this young lady here uh, doing doing what you do, man. Yeah, we were we were at a. <laughs> She's just making faces. Thank you, <laughs> yeah, 
We, we go uh, way uh, back. Way back. Like <laughs> climbing. We go all the way back. Sharon has a very unique way of uh uh, connecting, connecting with good people, and connecting good people together. Absolutely, so that's one of her traits. So, Absolutely. Sharon, the topic of the show. Yes, sir. The topic for tonight's show is New Year's resolutions or revolution. Mm. Now, I had no idea. That Washington D.C. would look the way that it looks right now, that is not what I meant by revolution. At least not in that way. Okay, because while we know that that scenario today looked much different from the scenarios from March on. When people who look like us were the protesters as opposed to people who look like the people today. Okay. However, it's, it, the people want the same thing. They want what they want. They want change. They have a cause. Whether we agree with it or not, they have a cause. They just went overboard because their protesting stopped the moment they tore down the barricade and bust past the police and took over the state capitol. Olympus has fallen. They, they they didn't they didn't go overboard, they drowned. And, <laughs> and, and they'll be dealt with accordingly once this uh the government deals with them. Yeah. So, so, so we have like like um we discussed behind the scenes we have a um an opportunity is coming. We have mm -hmm. a new president, new secretary of education, mm -hmm. um um, Sharon, you have taught me a lot about education in the last couple months and how at the end of the day, whenever they talk about money and budgets being cut, it always is education is always first. Um, one of the things that is being talked about now is loan forgiveness and so forth and so on. Now, I'm not saying loan forgiveness is a good or a bad thing. I really haven't uh, thought about it myself. However, we need to address the real uh, elephant in the room, and that is the education of our younger people. Mm -hmm. um, so I would like you guys to explain, are we going to look at it as a resolution, or are we going to just continue to fight and be advocate, advocates for change in our educational system? But I, before, I, wanna, I just want to... I want to bring clarity a little bit because both of those words indicate change. A resolution, we make it, we make a, an agreement and a commitment with ourselves to change something not typically about our own behavior, our own thoughts, our own attitude. And it's great. We get excited. We spend the last part of December, you know, meditating and, you know, we write down all these things that we're going to do differently in the new year. And usually if you check in with people by March, most of those resolutions have gone out of the window. So I use the term revolution because of the charge that it brings. Revolution too is about change, Right. When I looked up the definition, though, it had the word violent in there. Mm. Well, violent doesn't always have to mean um, uh, guns and weapons because, you know, when, they, when you have a seizure, they say that you're shaking violently, right? We need to shake it up. Absolutely. Especially, like I said, when it comes to education, you know, so... I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to give my guests the floor because I got a lot to say, but I'm going to contain a little bit of it. I'm going to give it a little at a time so I don't overtake this show because I'll, on this topic, what time is it? Oh, yeah, I'll talk for the next 45 minutes and won't let y'all get a word in edgewise. So I'm not going to get on. I'm not going to try not to preach. So, Kevin, what are your thoughts on New Year's resolutions or revolution when it comes to our topic of education. 
I'm basically ready to give up on resolutions, truthfully, because like you said, they're temporary. You know, they, they get put out there. They don't stick around for long. You might start off, you join the gym. All your intentions are great. But like you said, by March, you're paying for the gym membership and you ain't even going to the gym. No. I like the revolution because I think even our last administration shows that we, our community was expecting this, the new president, Barack Obama, because he was black, they just felt like he's going to do everything we need him to do for us. He's going to take care of us. Nobody made any demands, nobody in our community. Other communities, you know, it, it, I, I kind of admire other communities and the way that they handle political, whether it be education or anything, because bottom line is the gay community was able to get exactly what they wanted during the Barack Obama administration. You know what I mean? They went out and they said, these are the things that we want and they made it happen. They had to make the changes. Say something, say anything negative about anyone in the Jewish community. They shut it down, period. All the way. All the way down. <laughs> they will shut it completely down. And therefore, nobody message, nobody does anything toward or negatively toward the Jewish community in, in this country. Now, in other countries, we know it is what it is. But, um, and I think, you know, when people talk about reparations and the things that are not the topics of our discussion, the education, reparations, bottom line is we can't keep doing it the same way we've been doing it. We can't keep asking. We can't keep saying, can we have, you know, we, you know, we did this and we did that and we need our reparations. And, and we know Betsy DeVos, man, that shouldn't have even happened. She shouldn't have even been nowhere around anything dealing with education. <laughs> so I think that it's time to, to back away from the coming and, and asking, can we have, and what can you do for us? No, it's, not, it's, it's, it's time to let that go. It's time for us to say, these are the things that we want with things like the, you know, the Voting Rights Act, being in the balance, all that. You, if you don't do it now, you're going to see what's really going to happen next because we'll all be standing around looking. You think that, Kevin, one of, one of the things you brought up is is funny. Um, I actually, I actually uh, because of the, the, the situation with the reparations, I actually downvoted for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people was like, "Why? Why are you doing that? Uh, if you don't do this, because number one, I'm 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 particularly uh, registered independent, but I based felt as though that for me it was best to vote in my local election more than the national the national stuff because for me nobody speaks directly to the community that I come from. When did you when did you notice um, the decay of our educational system? Oh man, I think it goes back to when we were even kids. Truthfully, I mean, we all went through it. Now it's just it's just a complete turnaround. When I look at the way we came up in the school system and the way I look at my kids coming up in the school system, <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's like at least we were forced to learn, even though there were standardized, you know, testing. Now, man, literally, if you can just get through the test, you know, don't nobody care. They don't care if you retain it. They don't care if you ever use it again. You know, at least back in the day, my teachers were like, hey, you're going to need this, you know, later. You you need these skills later. It, don't, it doesn't seem to be happening. That's, that's one of the things that when I do talk to a lot of educators and I, I happen to be um, friends with a lot of teachers, everybody tells me they're against the standardized testing. I I don't, me, me myself, I don't particularly uh, know when it came into effect. I just know that, um, I, and, and then like you said, when you talk about our educational system compared to the kids now is, 
me, I was one of them type of people, just to keep it on me for one second, I was one of the people that weren't by mistake. Mm-hmm. All you had to do back then was show up and you're going to learn something. Opposed to now, um, they kind of don't go out their way to teach you the basics to get through. Um, <laughs> even the way, that, like me and Sharon discussed before, even the way they learn math now compared to the way we learned math, like totally different. They come to the answer totally different. Like what what can we do on an individual level? I know a lot of people are um, support their board of education. Uh, they go to their board of education meetings. They try to advocate for education. What do you think we need to do to be heard? Mm. It's like I said earlier, we, we got to stop asking. We got to get involved and say these. Like, like now, Quinn, you can, you can get a degree. They will literally put you on a an academic plan so that you get a diploma, but you can't go to college. You don't qualify to go to college. Yeah. That's crazy. Why? Why? Why shouldn't they be pushing and advocating for everyone? If they decide not to do it, that's one thing. But you're going to push them through the system and not be sure that they're prepared. And I don't blame it on the teachers because I know there are some phenomenal teachers. There are some people who completely change the game, but I think it's the system. It's the way that the system works. Everybody knows that they have to produce. Everybody knows that the test scores need to be X, Y, Z. So what they do is they try to make it so they can keep everybody in that range. At least we can, all you gotta do is Google a high school and see what their test scores look like. It's crazy. It's it crazy. almost makes you, when my kids, <laughs> I first moved into this neighborhood five years ago. My children were in middle school, getting ready for high, my oldest was getting ready for high school. Man, I looked at the high school they were gonna be attending and I was like, I looked at the numbers and I was like, this can't be right. When they group it into the different areas, the math, the science, the, <laughs> Dude, it's it's scary. It's really scary. It's and if you're a parent and you haven't looked at that, you need to take a look and see what you, and see what's really going on. I know a lot of times parents get caught up in the I gotta go to work. You know, I gotta my kids gotta be in school, and it's the teacher's job to teach them. But now the parent, the parents' involvement is is necessary. Yeah, it's, it's kind of kind of like police. It's kind of like police. You show more crime so you can get the federal money. You're right. So you keep the standard testing up a certain amount so you can get the district more money. But at the end of the day, you could finagle certain things, like you said, you could graduate kids, but they're not prepared for life. Right. It's absolutely true. I mean, that to me, the biggest change, one of the biggest changes was when they took vocational stuff out of the school system when i was growing up you could do wood you you did it you had to have woodworking you had metals class you had uh what was the other it was like a forging you had the shop working on uh vehicles you know what i mean and that said hey you're not an academic but you can make a career you can have your own business if you would just get involved in vocational and now it's still the case, but the only difference is, and that's one of the things fate was made to do, was to introduce the vocational uh, option, you know what I mean? So that they could, to me, that's the biggest push because nobody looks at what plumbers make today, unless you had to hire a plumber. Hire a plumber and see what's possible. Dude, they dig, they put both hands in both your pockets. Electrician. Thank you that itemized bill, too. <laughs> For real. For real. That's real talk. And now that they've taken all that away, where does that leave our community? Where does it leave those who are, you know what I mean, who decide? I mean, I believe there's a lot more kids in our community who would like to attend college, but the opportunity is just not provided. The money, the scholarships. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, there's plenty of money. You know, you just got to know where to look. But why is it so hard to get? Why is it so difficult? Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
the resources, if it's if it, definitely if it's free, the resources should be easy to get and and people should be willing to pass those resources along. Absolutely. Because really, and you guys know about budgets, when you don't use that money, it don't get rolled over. They'll basically say, okay, y'all didn't use this money, well, right. y'all need it. Exactly. Right. Next exactly. year we'll make the budget exactly. smaller until they exactly. ain't having that many. But, you know, you find out there's some money out there. There is some money out there, but you got to know how to get it. And, and that's just as hard as, you know, like I was saying, your credit score and anything else that you want to work on to better yourself or your situation. It's like you got to you got to go get it. Nobody's yeah. just going to lay it in your lap. They had the big the big uh, push after the trades. And even within the last 10, 15 years, the big push was everybody got the CDL. And I always tell everybody, like, I had uncles that drove trucks when I was a kid. And even the CDL, the driving over the road, that game changed a lot. They, yeah. I'm not saying they don't make good money, but they don't they make do. what they used to make. Right. right. They done doubled up on the drivers. Unless and you own your own truck. Exactly. You got to own your own truck. And I mean, even, they got and the even then, you got to get the right contract. Mm -hmm. So, Sharon, yeah. I, I, know that, I know that you had uh, Debbie Debbie on here, and I see that she's advocating, advocating, advocating. What what could we do, Sharon? I mean, it's it's the time is now. We're overdue. Mm -hmm. We agree that the resolution method hasn't take uh the word. I'll use the word that uh, Senator Sanders used. We need a radical approach to dealing with this. Um, we do. What 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 what? How could we like tangible go about shaking that tree, saying? Y'all need to pay, y'all need to give us money for this. Definitely the vo the vocational stuff. Yeah, it so everything starts with what my tagline is. You got to put some action behind your desire. What do we desire? We desire more money, more opportunities, more equality, more access for our children when it comes to education, right? Because the other folks, I just, I'm going to just put this in here quick and I'm going to get back to what you said because I actually wrote that down. Kevin said, you have to go get it. Yeah, one of you all said, you have to go get it. Same thing. Nobody's giving out scholarships in a line and you just go down the street and stand in line and you're going to get a scholarship. You have to go seek and go get it. We've got to go get this. Why is the PTA budget in the predominantly black neighborhood on the south side of town, $2,012. And the PTA budget at the school that's predominantly white on the north side of town, the PTA budget was 39000 Blew my mind. This is, these are real, these, my children attended both schools. Mm. And the reason they ended up at the $39,000 budget school is because of what we're talking about right now disparity my son was acting out because on our side it was cool to be a fool in school when we moved to the $39,000 budget district everybody was fighting to be the number one student in the class everybody wanted to be the number one with the with the top grade so there's just this whole value difference so we have to start number one by becoming involved we don't go to school board. Everybody who pays taxes, particularly property owners, all right, pay for the schools. But we don't go to the school board meetings. And I, yeah. I'm guilty. We don't even watch. I'm guilty. Too. They pu they put them on public TV. We don't even watch them. So we we don't have a freaking clue. As to what's going on, we don't know, and that's why we're where we're where we are. We don't know, so we have to be involved at every level. Go to the go to it's a public school. You do not have to have children <laughs> to call the principal and say, "I live in the neighborhood." Yeah, and I'd like to just come to the school and visit to see what you got going on. Yeah. As long as you have ID and you sign off. As long as there's someone to escort you, you go hang out. When the school puts up there that they're having a program, go to the program. See if parents are showing up. 
See what the quality of that presentation is. Then we have to vote. We have to know who's making decisions about education and, and with whichever side of the tracks they rolling on. If they're making the right kinds of decisions, we've got to vote for the people who are making the decisions that are going to have the greatest impact on us. Now, typically that's blue because, you know, red have some other objectives, you know? So making sure we know who, like, like I bet you, and I don't know anymore because my kids are out of school, but I, but I should, I still should know. I bet you if we gave every listener a quiz right now and asked them, what are the names of their neighborhood elementary school, middle school, and high school? They might or might not pass that. They might do high school because if they football fans, they know because they know the high school games, you know, right? Okay. What's your school district superintendent's name? What's the state uh, educate Department of Education head, right? We already know we're getting a new one. Thank, thank you, God. We're going to get a new one at the federal level. Who are your school district board members? When they, they are elected officials, we vote them in. We just go pick a name just because half the time it's any, meeny, miny, mo. It's the one that has to go. Okay, I'm voting for you. Because we don't know who they are. We haven't researched them. We don't know whether they're even worthy of sitting on a school board. What do they know yeah. about making, what kind of people are they? And if you've ever watched some of these school board meetings, it's some cray cray stuff that goes on in those meetings amongst the school board members. So we have to, the, uh, like I said, we have to get involved. I'm laughing because, um, you know where I'm where I'm from in Jersey. I, I, I see it, and um, you know it's it's interesting because I've interviewed some members prior, and I really I really love the advocacy. Um, I met some interesting people that would try to fight for the board, and it's always I believe that everybody's intentions are always good, but it's just interesting how sometimes we are arguing the same thing but instead of listening to someone we're doing exactly what we tell our children and our younger people not to do just listen sometimes you got two ears for a reason yeah and it's like you know it's really sad that um what happens like sharon said is that this is something that we all pay for we all pay for education we all have an invested interest in education you don't have to have a child or children in the school district or in any district to have them uh, involved with the education. Yeah. yeah. And I think and, what and you said earlier, Quinn, is, is dead on point and sharing because the fact that I believe in the last couple years, I believe that local politics is starting to change. I think now people are understanding. Like they said, they stopped. They stopped doing civics class. Another class they took, you know, out of the budget and, and took out of the schools. Which I remember civics class because you had to come in and you had to know all that about the judges and uh, and uh, uh, different powers. And now I don't think a lot of people understand it. But now I think the move is starting to change. Just when you look at the last midterm election, man, people were showing up. You got people coming from all different walks of life now that are showing up. People who said, I'm tired of sitting on the sideline and they getting in the local politics. Yeah, that's so, that, that's one of the dangers of the um the mob mentality is that we mm -hmm. can we can don't we don't uh we don't co-sign that mentality. Right. But what's coming out of it is that um, more people are starting to wake up with what's going on around them. Like you said, locally, even nationally, like people are getting tired of, how can I say it? 
our elected officials acting like we work for them. Exactly. Exactly. Because now you got to be accountable. You ain't going to do what needs to be done. You got to go. <laughs> that plain and simple. And people, I guess they just never realize that they have that authority. They think, oh, we're stuck to the next election. No, you're not. If they don't do what they're supposed to do, shut it, shut it all the way. Which and it's funny, it's way. funny when you look at it because, like you said, Sharon, um, Board of Education meetings are free on the local TV. Uh, voting records are open to the public. I mean, you can pull it up with no problem. You may not know where they find it, but it's all right there. It's transparent. Uh, C-SPAN been around since I was a kid. And it's funny, I actually watch C-SPAN to this day, and I've yeah. been shocked at some of the things that legislators vote on that may seem insignificant, um, that are very significant. And it's all about that money, getting that money. <laughs> and right now, this is the time that, um, you know, before his, his inauguration, even sooner after, like, look, those of us that want uh, more money for the educational field, we got to speak up. Because once that money gets divvied down, it makes a difference. It makes a total difference. You know, every, what is it? I think it's seven years. Debbie would get me for this. Head Start has to be reauthorized. And every time the red side of the carpet wants to get rid of it. Although it is proven, okay, all of the Head Start success stories of people who went to Head Start and now doing great things, okay, we already know the red side doesn't care because Head Start helps children at risk. The poor right. and the, the children, the, the people nobody really cares about. That's who Head Start serves, right? right. And, and, and the children who are disabled, right? Every year, Head Start does a campaign and they send it out to every Head Start program, all the people and all the constituents. And they say, they give you the letter. All you have to do is sign it. They tell you where to send it. You sign it and send it. And probably now with this automatic stuff, you probably just do an electronic signature, hit a button and it automatically goes, right? right? But every time the reauthorization, we just can't count on Congress to say, this thing is 50 foot. Head Start started the year I was born, 1965. It's 55 years old. It's been working for 55 freaking years. Why would you get rid of it now? Every, they try to get rid of it every single solitary why time. Would and we, why would we have to continue to vote on it, right? Well, why do we? <laughs> why is the Voting Rights Act still an act? Okay, I digress. So yeah, you're gonna make you're gonna make me flip the table over. <laughs> you, you, you said, but you know why? Because we haven't done anything to change it. That's one point. But let, but let it come out in the news that they get ready to vote on it and it doesn't look good. Yeah. What they mean? We ain't gonna be able to vote. What? That? See, what have we done what to you, say we? be a law what do you mean we got every we got to sign an act into to give black to give united states citizens the right to vote in the united states that's stupid one one of the things that's interesting is that um you know like every four it used to be like oh every four years now election cycle so maybe now with people understand the significance of senate and the house and how really they run the country uh, now people will be more cognizant of no. We need to be worried about elections every two years, a Thank little bit you. more than four years. Yeah. So, we so need to all of it, governors, mayors, all of it. You did. Yeah. You did some research on our incoming secretary of education. Is he from <laughs> Connecticut, or he bless. just was? Bless you. He he's from Connecticut. I did a little bit. Um. Where is it? Right now, he is um, the director of the Board of Commission Education Commission in Connecticut. Okay, his name is Doctor Doctor Miguel Cordona. All right, that that 
that uh espanol that you just rolled off your tongue? What region? See? What region huh? did you get that from? What region? Yeah, because it just yeah, rolled. You your heart just rolled. Cordova. Hey. He's talking about because you were able to do it. Cordova. <laughs> because I learned. I, I'm a great imitator. I learned when they taught Spanish how to roll my R's and you know do my Y's and all of that. You know, yo, not yo, not not yo is yo. It's like a little yo. Anyway. So the minute I found out that he had anything to do with leadership and education in Connecticut, what did I what did I say to you guys this evening? Before I before before that, I said he's he's probably going to be what kind of a leader? Y'all remember what I said? Was it standing? I said innovative. Innovative. You said innovation. And yeah, I I said I said he's gonna bring some innovation. Right. And the reason I say that is because I know that in that little northeastern section of the country, they're higher on the totem pole when it comes to education. And, you know, resources is probably one. But I think it was Kevin who said other folk do things differently than we do. They demand what they want. They advocate for what they want. You know why, and I can speak in Atlanta, the metro Atlanta area, why some Kroger's have a sushi bar, not sushi in the cold case, a full out sushi bar where where, where they're literally standing in the middle of it, rolling their sushi, why there's a full blown salad bar and soup bar in the middle of Kroger, a wine section that looks like a whole nother store. It's because the people in those areas Tell them what they want. Oh, you're building a new Kroger? Oh, well, we needed to have this, 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 and this because we don't have that and we want access to those things. Damn. And they get it. Damn. They go to the they go to the zoning meetings. If they if they, <laughs> if you're trying to build something in their community and they don't want it, you trust me, you're <laughs> you're gonna fight for years. Happen. It's not yeah. gonna happen. Cause they will Damn. bring they will bring grandma. On her with her cane and grandpa in the wheelchair to vote when it comes time to vote for this, they're not having it. They're gonna give you this whole long, they will have done their research and tell you why it's not good for the children, and then it's gonna bring increased traffic. Our kids are gonna get hurt. No, we're not having that. We don't want it in our neighborhood, and you will not build it. Well, that was what do we do? We see the zone sign, we we drive on by. Next thing you know, where did that come from? God, right. why yeah. did they put that right there? Because we I wonder what that's going to be. I wonder what they're building over there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm guilty. I'm talking. I'm preaching to myself. Real talk. But we do, we have to do better. We have to yeah. because y'all know before kids get to elementary school, and I'm looking forward to 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 Dr. Cardova's plan. I, I I've read some good things that have been said. I want to read something he said before I talk about early early ed. Hold on. He, this is this is from him. He said, for too many students, public education in America has been a flor palida, a wilted rose. Neglected, in need of care, he said, we must be the master gardeners who cultivate it, who work every day to preserve its beauty and its purpose. For far too long, we've allowed students to graduate from high school without any idea of how to meaningfully engage in the workforce while good paying high skilled technical and trade jobs go unfilled. Real talk. I like him. All he got to do now is get in there and just make a few little changes right quick. And I'm all, I'm with that because how many of us run from public education? We put our kids in private school because the public education schools don't measure up. You know, you know why? Because we don't demand that they measure up. How do you have a same school system? Fulton County has the exact same. Uh, it's one system. So is DeKalb. It's one system. So is Cobb. One system. Cobb County school system. Yet still, if you live in East Cobb versus South Cobb, yeah. You get a whole totally different experience. If you live in South Fulton, 
versus Norfolk. You live in North DeKalb versus South DeKalb. Whole, totally different experiences, but it's the same budget. It's the same budget. They, they, but then you've got those incentives where those test scores come in. Yeah. And then you've got those parents who advocate yeah. or who because they because they own businesses that they'll give a, a, a five thousand dollar check because it's a write-off or they know somebody who knows somebody who knows some my What's son's that? high school the football team's fundraiser was a golf tournament all right black men white men asian they play golf right but guess what time the tournament was in the middle of the week 10 a.m where are black dads at 10 a.m on wednesday morning and in our community, we selling Krispy Kreme donuts trying to raise money. And they hit their goal Blue every time, even though we couldn't go to the golf course and play. It wasn't meant for us. Yeah. I learned that a long time ago. I stopped busting my chops. I told my kids, I'm not doing that. They're going to make enough money for the PTA without my 10 little people <laughs> buying Christmas paper that's overpriced. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> Real talk. I'll take you to Walmart and you got $5 to spend. Because $15 to take them to Walmart was better than hustling $30 a roll wrapping paper. Right. Y'all down, down in Atlanta, all you got to do is be one of the water boys. <laughs> hey. That's a whole different subject. It is. You, it is. I'm, yes. I'm we'll talk about that another day. I've been messing with all my peoples down there about that. Um, you know, may may everybody be protected with that situation that's going on down there, and yeah. uh, may the patrons down there, downtown area, don't feel harassed that they have to buy water and give the younger brothers a different a different mindset. Yeah, but, but, but there's money. another story behind that too, though. I'm quite sure. Yeah, there's a, I, and I didn't sure. find out until recently, and it 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 now has me concerned about Let, the water as, boy. As as I always say. Let the owners of Atlanta, because you know you got a lot of celebrities that say they own Atlanta. You let the owners of Atlanta uh, give them the opportunity to make some money a different way instead of being out there, and it's not safe for everybody to be out there. They'll get blamed yeah. for something, and then you know, yeah, that's a whole other story. So I got to give a plug for my little, 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 little people though, because. It starts, and Kevin and I had these conversations because he looks at the high school, he's looking at high school, coming up out of middle school, high school, on into college, into young adulthood. But we already know if the fourth grader is reading on a second grade level and nobody intervenes and help him rise to the occasion and get on level, by the time he leaves fifth grade, he's lost. He's, he's not going, he's he, he's not going to college because what's going to happen now is he's too old. They're going to keep passing him as long as he does just well enough. They're going to keep on passing him on next grade, next grade. And, and so why did he stop learning in the second grade? Something happened and he mm. stopped learning in the second grade. We got to have a revolution. This, you know what COVID has done? COVID has exposed a whole lot of people. And while I'm not talking down to any teacher, because I know that we all work hard, but it's a whole lot of children can't read and they're supposed to. You know, you know, you know Sharon, and, and, and it's not even from a teacher's aspect, it, it exposed the parent who believes mm -hmm. that school is supposed to be the babysitter. Oh, yeah, because because... Because why? How come I don't know my child is in the fourth grade and he can't read? So that means he's struggling with, and now he has to do virtual learn. He what? So everything yeah, he that he has to do is on a fourth grade level, but he can't read it and comprehend it. So now he's failing everything, and the only reason he's failing everything not because he can't learn, not because he's dumb, because he can't read and comprehend the work to understand it, to be able to answer it correctly. I and bet then, you if somebody read it to him, he get all the answers right. And then we want to know why the coaches know our kids better than we do. Yeah. 
At least the coach, I mean, real, real talk. the coach asked for the report card. He gets it sent to him at the least. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it really, like, at the end of the day with the pandemic, like you said, Sharon, it exposed a lot. And hopefully soon we could uh, get out of this pandemic and they could come. I don't want a vaccine. I want a cure. They can come up with a cure for uh, the COVID and all the people that lost their family members, you know, bless them. But um, and, and may they be remembered and, and you know, it, just a lot but of they have, they have a vaccine, but guess what? It's not going to kill COVID 2.0, her sister. Yeah. COVID-19 now has COVID 2.0, a new strand, and it's here in America. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we need revolution. We need Saturday school. We need old school Saturday school. Because these children, are, are they're not going to get it online. How come you know, they don't have any textbooks? At it's home? amazing, right? When I was when I was in school, they they had started this thing called the Sundown Program, and it basically was for the guys and and gals that couldn't be in the classroom setting. Maybe it could have been from learning or emotional situation or behavioral situation, and they wound up getting rid of that because they were saying it was cruel. It was a punishment. I mean, and we always want to be, have the, for lack of better words, we always want to have a progressive mind. But at some point, like, yo, are we soft? Are we the reason the school got the way it got? It is. Because yeah. after a while, the bully got bullied. When it was a bully in school, nah, I'm not condoning <laughs> bullying at all. Nah. I'm not condoning bullying. But it was a time... When the bully got bullied, he now he might have terrorized twenty, yeah. but when he finally got his comeuppance, <laughs> and all of a sudden everybody felt safe again. He got dealt with, you know. Now these schools, you know, and I understand the safety aspect. Now these schools got zero tolerance. I mean, you can't even have um, me and Kevin. Even, me and Kevin wouldn't even be able to have a fight in school over over the girl. Because then they'll be talking about kicking us out the district. We like, we well, wait. A six a six year old can't even innocently kiss his little girlfriend on the cheek. That's sexual harassment, and he will be sus suspended. My son did. Y'all be for real. When y'all were in elementary school, y'all tapped a girl on the booty, didn't you? Fifth grade, sixth grade. I know a guy that did that. I know a guy that did that. You know a guy. Okay, yeah. right. Really Kevin, close right. to the Kevin, you, Okay, all right. You right. Y'all know guys that did that, right? One of my sons did it. I got called to school. They called me sexual harassment. I said, hold up. What you not going to do is put that on my... No, mm -mm. nah, we're not going there. Right. We're not going there. Yeah, yeah we're not going there. It is sexual harassment now. We're not going there. Because the little girl... Did the little girl... What she do? <laughs> Stop. Doesn't make it right. Does not make it right, but it's not sexual harassment. Are you? We got people out here being trafficked, right? And you wanna you wanna punish my kid for something that kids do? Yes, teach them that is wrong. Sexual harassment on his permanent record? No, we taking that off. And then no. and, and, and then the catch, Sharon. That's his girlfriend when they go to college. <laughs> right. Right. Remember that time they suspended you for touching me? I liked you, but you just you used to right. be with the wrong boys then. Right, right. He was always with them boys. Yeah, y'all talk about the uh, backing up for a moment, but y'all are talking about the parent participation. I wish you could. <laughs> I wish you could take a look at Miles in the morning. I'm sitting in the office. I'm up first. I'm sitting in the office. I got two 28 inch screens and a laptop on the desk, I'm calling upstairs on the Alexa, getting the kids up out the bed again <laughs> and again and again. And then each class they attend, they got to holler at me between them classes. I'm looking at the clock, like, okay, you started class at 820, that means you out at nine, what time? Okay, all right, so when you come out of class, I need to know, like today was the first day of school. So we, you know, 
it was a little hectic because I got to come back in the group, you know, in the groove with things. But, you know, every hour and, and whatever, I'm like, hey, where y'all at? What y'all doing? You know, what the teachers say? I'm on the uh, the little site where you can see instantly. If they didn't do their assignment or didn't turn it in, I'm on it right there. Hey, how you got to miss an assignment? You were just in class. How you missing an assignment? You at home. Teachers let them out early. There's that. Sometimes they've been in class for 15 minutes and then they shut it down. You just have to be in the situation where you could be at home. And I'm glad that I am because to me that gives it that extra, you know. But you like you were saying before, Sharon, the rules coming into the second semester of virtual, I get that some kids were not following the rules. Mm -hmm. You had kids sitting in front of their computer eating breakfast. Mm-hmm. Wearing their pajamas, mm-hmm. and the teachers were voicing, you know, how that ain't right. But if it ain't nobody there, and I, I like, I know there can't always be somebody there, right? But if you don't make sure, if you don't instill in them that that's not how you're gonna do this, they're gonna continue to do it. So now, next semester, this new semester coming up, if you're late for class, if you've been late logging in multiple times. They can make you come back to school. Your virtual is done. They like, wow. now you need to come on in with everybody else because as soon as they the bus runs outside the house every day, still and pick up everybody. Wow. But I'm like, wow. right. if our listeners in the audience, um, we've said this before in the <laughs> chat. We we speak about education and we're talking about it on this show. But be mindful that half of this country does not have internet service. And that that was where I was going with why are the school systems not sending her? They have textbooks at the school for every child in the school building. Why do children not have the te- why are the textbooks still sitting at the school collecting dust? It's cheaper for you to send textbooks home with the children than it is for you to send a computer or tablet. So if the school books don't come back, that's all right, that's. $35, we got to replace it. If a tablet don't come back, that's $325 we have. And they got a track on the tablet, so they know it's there. <laughs> but all kinds of things have happened to those tablets. Lost, spilled something on it, broke it, somebody stepped on it. I, mean, I don't I know mean, what happened to it. I'm quite, And I'm quite, quite sure during the pandemic, we all know that everybody, quote unquote, was chasing the bag. So we know that the... Uh, the inventors of and I and I I am addicted personally to Chromebooks. I love my little Chromebook. I take it everywhere I go. I'm quite sure that the uh, the two young gentlemen that own Google was donating a lot of stuff to these schools. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So they could do their little tax write off. Absolutely. Somebody did. Somebody did. Somebody did. Somebody did. Somebody did I'm sure. Up. When we rolled up and picked up those Chromebooks, there were stacks and stacks and mm-hmm. stacks. There was one for every child in the school. It's, all it's Kevin, as far as you can see, huh? Far as you can, bruh. When I saw all the Chromebooks, I was like, man, that's a lot of Chromebooks. And then I'm thinking, okay, so they hit us up for $25 per Chromebook, you know, as the parents or whatever. And I was sitting there going like, eh, that's probably, you know, for, what did they say? Uh, for battery replacement, what battery are you replacing in your Chromebook, yo? You plug it in, you recharge. I mean, eventually you might have to put a battery in it if you're overcharging it, and whatever the case may be. But twenty five dollars, I dropped seventy five dollars, but I was glad I didn't have to drop two hundred and fifty dollars yeah. each. Yeah, on them joints. Yeah. So I paid my seventy five dollars, kept it pushing, but. I, I mean, like I said before, though, I understand that there's a lot of teaching that I admire. I admire them because you got to love teaching to be a teacher. <laughs> you got to love teaching. They, de- they definitely don't do it for the money. And all of them, and it's funny, Kevin, every teacher has always said that. And I guess now with the pandemic, it's become a reality for us all. Like, yo. Oh, oh. All you got to do is see the videos. Imagine, imagine, imagine trying to get home. 15 first graders to be in a, a class. Oh, my goodness. And wait, wait. As an adult, right, 
when when we did training for adults on Zoom, we had we always had two people. One person to actually run the training and do the PowerPoint, and the other person did the behind the scenes. They kept up with what was coming in on the chat. They did the breakout rooms. They monitored, you know, they were, oh, you know, sharing somebody. Uh, Miss Pat has her hand raised. Oh, okay, Miss Pat, what's your question? Unmute yourself and tell us your question. The teachers don't have that. And oh, in yeah. one county, there are 30, 30 second graders. And see, this is the stuff I'm talking about about why we got why we need to make noise. 30 second graders in a Zoom meeting with one teacher. And at least one of the children is an identified child with an identified special need. One teacher, 30 kids. Where they do that at? That's not that's not even good practice virtually for adults. One Are you kidding? Me? Three kids ain't <laughs> but 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 we, you know that then folks get mad at the teachers. She yeah, and she doing all she can to get through the. And then the same system, the children are in school seriously in school from eight to two thirty. Like they get a little break here and there, but they, I'm like, what is wrong with you people? You know how long they get for lunch right now, Sharon? You know how long the kids get for for lunch? Twenty whole minutes. Twenty. And see, my thing is, and then they still on the same schedule. The little right. people go at ten thirty. Why does everybody just not get a break from twelve to one? <laughs> they gotta make their lunch, eat their lunch in twenty minutes. I'm sitting there going like, as an adult on your job, you could at least get thirty. Why are you giving? And Zoom burnout is such a thing. Just Google it, people. There are articles out there about Zoom burnout, and we're putting children. Number one, didn't they say something about the glare on computers and stuff about mm -hmm. on our eyes? But yet these babies are on the computer all day, five days a week. Then they go have TV time in the evening, or they own, or they on their phones, or whatever their own devices. That's too much, y'all. Good talk. Our children have got not you. You have little people that if their parents aren't putting books in their hands, there we you have to teach a child what's the cover. This is the back. You turn the page one page at a time to read it. Those are things that we teach in preschool. And if the children are starting preschool pre-K online for the first time, they don't have any books to read. What are you? What the? <laughs> What's really going uh, revolution? What's really going on? What are they really preparing us for? <laughs> they got us in the house. Children can't go outside. No vitamin D. They got us. They have children doing school totally virtual. No writing. No pencil and paper. Everything is typing. Touch screen. Online virtual. I. These babies gonna be wearing glasses. How much you want to bet? It's gonna be a surge. In the in the number of people wearing eyeglasses by twenty, it used to be after forty. It's gonna be twenty. They're gonna have bifocals at twenty five. Well, we don't know what the long term effects of this stuff is. We better get, we talk about. I woke. No, we not. We so sleep. We snoring. We are hibernating bears, and our babies. And these are the people who are going to be running the country wow. in six to twenty years. Well, with that, uh, is there any final thoughts or comments? Yeah, I want to come back. They're gonna bring me back. Man, it's my show. You want to come back? You come. Oh wait, don't you do it, Jerry? You don't know, Jerry. Oh, what I did, You have your Jared, own show. You know. <laughs> That's Listen, what I did. With that, we're gonna close the show. Um, Kevin, stay on. Kevin, stay on. Uh, you're not gonna drop. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna close the show. We're glad you guys could join us in the chat. Uh remember the first and third Wednesday of the month, we discuss early education in the trenches with early educators. This is Sharon's show. I'm just here as the extra. Uh she invites guests in the educational field. So we try to tackle um education. Uh people in the chat, uh, you guys are quiet tonight, which is okay. So if you ever watch the show, you ever want to join the show, part of joining the show, even if you don't want to be on camera, you can participate in the chat. Your thoughts on education, 
these two are in the Atlanta area, but if you're not in the Atlanta area, we're quite sure that your area is different and unique. It has a different perspective. So uh, it's very important that we all get, uh, everybody gets on board with this and figure out how we could definitely get our educators uh, in this country more funding, number one, and better better access to resources. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Please, that, if our listeners would like to be a guest, though, if they are in the field of, of education, early education in any way, shape, or form, um, or not, I mean, just hit, uh, if they will leave that information in the chat, we will pick it up, and um, I will make sure I reach out to you, and we'll see about getting you scheduled if you have a desire to be on the show. Great. With that, have a blessed, as I say, Chicago Wednesday tonight. Have a blessed, have a blessed Wednesday and take care. Thanks, y'all. <laughs>